Well, it's the offseason, but there are still plenty of storylines to talk about. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. And let's welcome on Josh Pay to the 247 Sports Network. His show is a must-listen or must-watch. It's also on YouTube. And that is the Late Kick Podcast. Uh, Josh, great to have you on. We appreciate your time here. Talk a little Big 12 and general college football. What do you think, Josh, as you look at this conference that we cover closely, what do you think the top offseason storylines are that you're watching and you're following in the Big 12? Well, they're kind of twofold. The first is, and it's kind of been recent and it's happening, is the the effort to get that TV deal locked up down the road. Now, that's an off-the-field sort of situation, but it's also pertinent because it could impact which teams we see play in the Big 12 on the field, down the road, and that's off the field. The on the field is it always revolves around Texas, kind of the same way the Pac-12 conversation always seems to revolve around Southern Cal, but independent of Texas, which could be its own show, I'm really fascinated by what Iowa State may be capable of. And by that, I mean, I wonder how much they can improve. Because a lot of times in the preview magazine culture, as I like to call it, when you have a bunch of returning starters, you're just led to believe, well, your, your team's got to improve 15%, and everyone gets better, 10 to 15%. Well, maybe if you have a coaching staff that has previously underdeveloped players, that could be the case. But the blessing, and could be the curse this year for Iowa State, is you got such a good head coach up there. you got such a good staff. They are supreme evaluators and then developers that when those guys have been on campus several years, it could just be, They've already maxed out their potential long before their senior years. And so I just wonder how much better should I expect Iowa State to be this year than a season that was already historic last year that got them to the Fiesta Bowl and got them a win. So yeah. I'm looking up and down kind of the lineup, and I'm, I'm asking myself basically who can push Oklahoma. And after those two names, Texas because of just the raw talent and Iowa State because of the great product they have, I start to draw a blank, and I start to ask myself, Dave Aranda, Gary Patterson, could it be Oklahoma State? Like, who's going to put together that surge that you hope, for the sake of balance, to see towards the end of the year? Yeah. No, that's a great point. I mean, I think a lot of people are saying, okay, Oklahoma, Iowa State, one, two, and I want to circle back to the TV stuff in a little bit, but... I'm Texas. I know people are going to hear this and they're going to say, especially if they're, you know, the anti-Texas crowd of which there's plenty in the Big 12. Oh, here's Josh buying into the Longhorns. One of these national media guys, always the hype around Texas. Is it worthy this year with Steve Sarkeesian? I mean, they got to figure out the quarterback spot, but why are you, why are you buying in a little bit to what the Longhorns are doing? Well, so let me put let me put some brakes on that because I'm not necessarily buying in 2021 on Texas. What I mean is, if if you guys so you're in Kansas City right now, you're in the heart of Big 12 country. I grew up in Georgia, so I can and I'm in Georgia right now, so I can tell you when folks down here or folks on the West Coast look at the Big 12, the conversation starts with what's Texas going to do this year. Now, you guys, I mean, I wouldn't like it if I lived in the Big 12 footprint. But for folks outside the region, that's where the conversation starts. And so, you know, to serve the audience best at the national level, that's how I frame it. Mm-hmm. But then me personally, I look at Texas, and I've, I've talked to some folks around that program because I'm very curious. Steve Sarkeesian, as great as he has been as a play caller, we've seen him as a head coach before. That doesn't mean you can't change and learn from history, but it's not a mystery as to what he 
can be. We've already seen what he can be as a coach. Well, frankly, what he has been got him fired. And so what he needs to be in the future is a lot better version of what he was. And there's no evidence out there to this point that that's just magically going to happen. It takes a lot of sweat equity put in to make that happen. And I have all the confidence in the world they'll improve offensively this year. But as a net product in the wins-losses column, I'm – I'm hesitant to buy that right off the bat. Yeah, I would be too. I, I would be too. Uh, Josh Pate is joining us at 247 Sports. He's on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. His show, Late Kick, on YouTube and also wherever you get your podcasts. So, Josh, as, as you look then around this conference, Oklahoma's clearly the team to beat. You know the national landscape, the national footprint. Oklahoma's getting a lot of love. Why is this the year that Oklahoma can get over that hump and can actually get to a national championship game? We've seen them in the playoff. We haven't seen them get there yet. Can this be that year as you look around the college football footprint? Yes, it can. There's an important distinction that sometimes is lost on some college football fans, and that is the difference between being playoff caliber and being championship caliber. And I know maybe if you're not a college football fan, you're just a sports fan, you say, well, aren't they one and the same? I mean, if you make a four-team playoff, then obviously you only got to win one game to get to the title game. So everyone in that mix is a contender, right? No, Mm -hmm. they're not because of the gap that exists at the very, very top of college football versus even the second tier. And if you want a finer point on that, just take a look at what Notre Dame's been able to do. And so with Oklahoma – I remember talking to a staffer with LSU a couple of years ago when they went to play them in 2019. Bama, I think the year before, talking to someone there, because I think they played them back-to-back years, and both times the staffer said they got a lot of fireworks offensively, really good at quarterback, but there is no prayer on God's green earth they're going to be able to hold up on the line of scrimmage, especially they were looking at Oklahoma up front defensively. They don't say that anymore about Oklahoma. I know fans may because I think some folks have been slow to catch up to what's been going on defensively there. But when you watch them this year, I'm not going to sit here and predict they'll win a national title. They're going to be one of my very favorites to do so. I'm just going to say if they don't win the national title this year or if they get in the playoff and lose, I don't believe it's going to be for the same reasons it has been in the past. They will not be blown off the ball. They won't be giving up seven and eight yards per carry. That started to already change, but because they did not make the playoff last year, it hasn't had a chance to play out on that big stage. They get secondary figured out, which I think that staff believes is the weak link, relatively speaking, of that defense right now. If they get that figured out, that'll be about as complete a team and as proven a team, county quarterback, as you'll see take the field to start the season in America. Yeah, I I agree with that. Now, and guys, before we continue with Josh here, I do want to take a quick second out and and please ask you to take a minute of your time, literally 60 seconds, and leave me a rating and a review on iTunes um, or Spotify, uh, wherever you get your show. And that helps this show grow tremendously. And that's why I'm sending you a free Heartland College Sports koozie to keep your beer cold this summer when you leave me a rating and a review. And then send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and I get the koozie in the mail for you. I've got a box of them. I am ready and fired up to send out. I just had to order more. So rating, review, iTunes, Spotify, and send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. It helps this show grow every week. It's because of you, and I can't thank you enough for doing it. Thanks, guys.
Josh, what about, um, you know, for Big 12 fans who aren't paying attention as much to Clemson, Alabama, some of the other teams that will be in the, the national conversation, is this the year to pick off a Bama? I mean, we know what they lose, but obviously Bama just reloads. Is there reason to believe that not only with Oklahoma and its defense being stronger and returning what they're returning on offense, is this the year that an OU uh, can beat an Alabama and can beat a Clemson based on what they lost and what they have coming back? It certainly sets up to be their best opportunity. I think that going into the season, which is the only thing we can use to measure right now, I think they match up as favorably with those big teams as they have at any point. Because when we look at Alabama, for example, I'm a big believer. If you're going to pick them off over the next three to four years, this will be your best shot to do it. And that's Oklahoma or anyone else. I think relatively speaking, this will be the most vulnerable Alabama team. They may end up winning the title. (laughs) But, again, we're talking relative to Alabama. But you look across those teams you just mentioned, whether it's Ohio State or Clemson or Alabama, you're going to have inexperienced talent, but a lot of inexperienced quarterback regardless of where you look. You also look at places like Clemson and Alabama. They're replacing guys like Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, you know about Alabama replacing coordinator, offensive line, wide receiver. It's an entirely new offense, same philosophy, but all the pieces have changed. So, again, it could be that by week seven or week eight, long before the playoff rolls around, all these teams are humming and clicking on all cylinders, just like we've seen them in the past. Yes, that could be the case. If you wanted to roll the dice or place odds on it, maybe even it's more likely that will be the case. But Oklahoma's going to have a really good product out there, too. And I think that unlike years past where they got to the playoff and then they were a double-digit underdog, even if all those teams are in the mix at the end of the year, when I throw this particular Oklahoma team in that mix, I think they're going to match up really favorably. And I don't think it's a one-year thing to say that because I think that once that defensive recruiting ball got rolling and kind of the vision has been cast on that side of the ball – I think they're just going to be that year in and year out. And we know Oklahoma's not going to slow down offensively. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, Josh, as you look um, from your national perspective, we know the playoff has been, unfortunately, it seems like too predictable at times. It's a rotating cast, it seems like. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Georgia, you know, mix in a a Pac-12 team once in a blue moon. What's the team this year that you're looking at? I know it's very early, but you're saying, hey, if someone can crash that party this year that we're not talking about, who is that team? Well, I think crashing the playoff party, I mean, there's a grand opportunity for Oregon, for example, from the West Coast. Mm -hmm. And I know it's been, I mean, it's been a couple of years since you've had a Pac-12 team in there. I, I just wonder about them. You know, they'll be viewed, for example, if they make the playoff this year, they'd be viewed sort of like Oklahoma in the past or Notre Dame in a sense that, yeah, they can make it there, but there's no way they'll make it past the first round. And it's because you have not seen them under Mario Cristobal have dynamic quarterback play, have dynamic wide receiver rooms. You haven't seen that. Now, I think they'll have the latter part of that. Their receiver room is extremely underrated this year. I don't know if the Boston College transfer and Anthony Brown, who's about 24 or 25 years old, by the way, I don't know that he – will possess that dynamic ability. I'll tell you another one that I'm just totally fascinated by, and that's Wisconsin. There is a perception of what Wisconsin football has been because you and I have watched them be the same thing for about 100 years now. <laughs> but I think they they are looking, that staff internally looks at 2021 as an opportunity for some delayed gratification. They started last year and they had a really good receiver room, probably the best receiver room you've seen Wisconsin have. 
And Graham Mertz is the guy they really believe in at quarterback, and they rolled Illinois in week one. And then COVID just derailed them, and concussion protocol derailed them at the wide receiver position. I think they were on their way to doing something a little more special than we're used to at Wisconsin last year. And all those guys are back. And Paul Christ up there feels so good about it. He just took over control of play calling duties. He said, no one's screwing this up. I'll take this. It's such a ready-made situation. So I'd look at Wisconsin and Oregon as two that maybe you're not going to have at the forefront of any of the playoff favorite odds list that could very well be there when all is said and done. Josh, what do you when you look back to the Big Twelve here? Um, what what's the team that you say to yourself? Okay, I mean, is is there a coach on the proverbial hot seat? I know it, it always gets the offseason attention. Is it a, a Matt Wells at Tech in year three? Is it a Dave Aranda Baylor in year two? Um, is it a Neil Brown in year year three at West Virginia? I mean, is there anyone that you think that that could be on that, or are you saying that eh, this conference feels pretty stable right now in the head coaching department? I certainly don't think it's Brown at West Virginia, although if I were a space alien that just landed here and didn't know context, maybe that's the one you'd look at. Listen, I think behind the scenes, some folks at Auburn tried to reach out to Neil Brown and got slammed. Yeah. I mean, the, the door slammed on him. And so I, I think he's very confident and comfortable in what he's doing up there right now. But I also, this is the one conference, and it's really interesting now that we talk about it a little bit, when you do the scan, I don't even know that I would put anyone above a, a six, maybe on the hot seat scale here yeah. right now. Gary Patterson's not there, I don't think. I would never in a million years, at least rationally speaking, put Dave Aranda there. That that team disproportionately got gutted by what COVID did last year. I think that's one of the big stories this year in college football is revisionist history is telling you everyone dealt with COVID last year, and that's true. But this, make no mistake, this was not something that equally impacted every team and every program. There were some out there way disproportionately impacted. I'm thinking of Baylor. I'm thinking of Penn State, for example, that when you get in 2021 could have huge bounce back years or like we talked about with Wisconsin could have what I'm calling delayed gratification years. And you'll say, oh, maybe 2020 misled me after all. Yeah, absolutely. that's a great point. Last thing then on the TV deals, uh, Josh. You mentioned a report that came out earlier this week that talked about how the ESPN and Fox Sports told the Big 12, hey, we're not ready to really start doing any TV negotiations yet. They're through 2025. There's still time. But what do you see? I mean, this is trying to predict the impossible, so I'm not going to hold you to it. But how do you see this playing out here? Because we know that any type of conference realignment can oftentimes be dictated by these TV networks. I have a hard time looking into the crystal ball and seeing 10 years down the road, there still being five power five conferences, whatever we want to call them. Mm -hmm. I've thought for a long time, and I I don't even think really, Pete, you need to have all that firm a grasp on this stuff to look at the landscape and say, you know, the SEC is not getting turned down when they want to float stuff out there. The Big Ten is not getting turned down. And then you look at the Pac-12 that has continued to fall well behind because of, well, frankly, poor decision-making and poor on-field product out west. And I've always looked at the Pac-12 and the Big 12, and not the first time we've mentioned this, but I don't think it'll be the last either, and said, you know, there is a really, really legitimate powerhouse conference somewhere between the combination of those two. I just Mm -hmm. wonder if we'll ever see it. Well, we're – I think fans want to see it from the competitive standpoint, but you've talked about what the name of the game is. 
TV is the name of the game. And I think probably what we're seeing here with the Big 12 is plan A was let's just go see if we can get our TV deal extended by ourselves. There's nothing to lose there. I mean, I think that the president's even said who were on the exploratory committee, we had nothing to lose. We did our due diligence. Okay, so they probably got the answer they expected. Well, maybe plan B is, all right, let's wait. But maybe then plan C is, you know what, if we have to take more drastic measures and we see the landscape continue to evolve and it's not in our favor, maybe we do take that call from the West Coast. And maybe we do start to explore those, what, what at one point would have been a disaster emergency mode, and now it could just be that that's, that's reality moving forward. You see kind of a, a new combination of Pac-12, Big 12, name it whatever you want to. I just I think that's becoming more and more likely every day. Very interesting. And there will be plenty of time to follow that story as it moves forward. He's Josh Paid. He does a great job with the 247 Sports Network. And, of course, uh, you want to be checking out his show, Late Kick, wherever you get your podcasts and also on YouTube. Josh, thanks so much for joining us, man. We'll uh, do it again before the season gets underway. Appreciate the time. Absolutely. Anytime. I appreciate it. Good stuff there with Josh Pate. And before you close out, give me 60 seconds. That's all I'm asking for. Six zero. Could be 30. Leave me a rating and a review on iTunes or Spotify. Send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and I will get you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. I've got a full, new, brand-new box and slate of them to send to you for leaving a rating and a review. It will help us tremendously more than you realize. That's why I'm sending you something in return. I can thank you all day long. But that does really make a difference. And uh, we got some great ratings and reviews here in the last week that I will just share with you here quickly. Uh, This came in the last couple of days. Good quick hits on the conference weekly. Most entertaining power rankings during football season. Well, thank you very much for that rating. That's Al6073. It's those things that really do make a difference and um, help us tremendously grow this show. So thank you guys, and we'll talk to you soon.